All right, welcome back to the Canadian Gun Vault Behind the Vault Door. My name is Mark Morelli. I'll be your podcast host. Uh, You know, I'm going to tell you right off the hop, if the kids are listening and you're under 18, there's no telling what's going to come out of my mouth tonight. Uh, So if you don't want to be exposed to profanity, cussing, right, swearing, uh, potentially, uh, because at some points there will be passionate discussion uh, about certain subjects, I'm going to tell you, leave the room now. So if you're under the age 18 and or if you uh, listen to what your kids, uh, you know, take in as entertainment, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm putting out the disclaimer, right? You might want to not expose them to this one. All right, so what do we got going on in the news? Uh, You know, a couple of things have happened recently that uh, piqued my interest. Uh, Apparently, there's some new uh, Islamic party, like like a political party. And and I always had the feeling that this was coming because, you know, there were a lot of people that were uh, seemingly, and I mean, without taking sides in this, I could just tell you the facts. There were a lot of people that were just seemingly, um, uh, you know, they were, they were saying, like, it's not, it's not a religion. It keeps being uh, protected under the, you know, umbrella of uh, protection afforded by the government, you know, as, as a religion. But I've heard a lot of people make the argument that it's ide- ideology. A political ideology at that so that it shouldn't enjoy the protection of these items. And certainly we've had some some horrific events uh, recently. The uh, the tragic, uh, horrific um, killings of the two young ladies um, in Morocco. You know, and, and and that that in itself, I mean, like, I, I think we've grown to all together too comfortable with the idea that people get their heads chopped off. Like, I mean, I, I think I remember a time where if somebody said, like, somebody's head got chopped off, it was like a, it was a, a huge event. It was like a, a magnitude that would, you know, grab the attention of the world. And now it just seems like every other day I'm hearing about, you know, there was a beheading here and there was a beheading there. And, you know, now Morocco, these two young girls and of course there's a video of it uh, that has surfaced of these girls actually being beheaded now like uh, for all the people out there that want to stop me right now and say I'm a racist bigot I'm going to say right now I, I don't think you have to be a racist or a bigot to think that this is completely unacceptable behavior and any uh any doctrine that's taught to people that says that this is acceptable is not the kind of thing I want near my country I mean, you don't even have to be a patriot. You just have to be sensible. The idea that somebody out there would think that it's totally okay to have someone's head separated from their shoulders in this day and age. Like, we are not in the dark ages. So, you know, like, to hear that there is a political party being formed that is going to be carrying the same name as, uh, you know, an ideology that is connected around the world to acts of terrorism, horrific acts of violence and mistreatment of people. Uh, I don't like the idea of that party surfacing in my country, not even for one second. And, you know, for the people out there that think that maybe I'm getting a little too excited about this, I mean, I think this should be of grave concern to everyone. You don't have to be a retired police officer of 20 years to know what's not safe. I have no interest in mistreating people. I have no interest in seeing people uh, beaten horribly as forms of uh, punishment. But there's a group of people that think that that's totally acceptable. It's just, I don't think it blends well with what we go, got going on over here. 
you know, so to see that party surface, I think, should be of great concern to the entire country. Now, I'm sure there's going to be a lineup, a conga line of liberals that are going to tell us that that's wrong of you that they should be entitled to the same privileges as any other Canadian, and if they want to formulate a party under that name, they're allowed to do it. And that's something that I just can't get behind. And I, and I don't think you have to be a racist or a bigot to do that. And if that's the case, I mean, if that's what I am for thinking that, then hey, you know what, then I guess I am. Uh, I'm interested in public safety. I spent 20 years of my life taking care of people. I'll be damned if I don't tell people that this one's coming. Right? Anything that forms in this country under that name in that fashion, you know, could be potentially dangerous. And people will say, oh, you're ringing alarm bells for nothing. But if that's the case, if that's true, I think that that's something that everybody should contact their member of parliament about. And uh, definitely, if we've got a convoy moving across country, making its way from Alberta all the way to Ottawa, we may want to jump on that too. You know, I think it's a great idea that, um, you know, it's not about gun ownership anymore. You know, like this is about so many other things, the taxation of small business, uh, you know, embarrassment on the public stage, you know, voting in ways that I, I can't agree with. And I think I'm a good, hardworking, honest Canadian. Right. I, I consider myself a liberal, believe it or not. I keep telling people that it's, you know, it's like that. Like deep down inside, I'm a liberal, but I don't think that today's liberal is really a liberal anymore. I, I think actually today's conservative is really more yesterday's liberal uh, and they're much more accepting than I believe uh, you know the people that have just supported the liberal party traditionally believe you know so I've, I've, I've always kind of advocated that people you know spend their money responsibly so I'm you know fiscally you know conservative but at heart I'm a liberal so if you're out there and you're listening and you know you got a hate on for gun owners and you're tuning in to us and you happen to be a liberal we got a place for you in our community too actually it'll be a great time you'll enjoy it and, you know, you can stop being duped by this uh, current liberal government into believing that they're doing things that are responsible. You know, I really do like the idea uh, of taking care of people. And I think, you know, uh, I get asked the question a lot about things like, you know, immigration. I'm sure there's a lot of people sitting down right now that are freaking out saying, well, what's he going to say next? Now it's going to be something about immigration. Well, yeah, you know what? Uh, we shouldn't be afraid to discuss it. I think that intelligent dialogue uh, regarding the subject is necessary. And I'm not sure that that's happened. If you watch the parliamentary sessions, it doesn't seem like anybody from the Liberal caucus seems to want to provide uh, any kind of real answers uh, during question period, which has been narrowed down to a day, which is a decision they made you know, quite a while ago because they didn't want to answer too many questions. Like, I mean, we really do need to be suspect of this Liberal government. They're not answering questions. They haven't ever really. Uh, they've been spending more time in the office uh, of the Ethics Commission than any other government before it. You know, so the idea that you know, we should just blindly trust them as they make decisions that you know, just outwardly look a little bit dangerous to a guy that kept people safe for 20 years is maybe something that you know, people ought to think about. Uh, I'm not a racist. I'm not a bigot. I can't say that enough. But like things like uh, you know, immigration, it should be responsible immigration, the way the law was designed to you know, intend it to be, you know, uh, legal you know, and for the government that refuses to call it illegal immigration, because that's exactly what it is, they want to call it irregular. They, they seem to want to change the language of things. It happens all the time. And I think that that's something you got to be really nervous about. You know, I, um, I occasionally listen to Dr. Jordan Peterson. Uh, you know, I, I listen to a lot of people. I like to get a broad cross-section of opinions before I formulate my own and, and do, it, do so with, you know, the basis in fact. And the idea that, uh, you know, Dr. Jordan Peterson uh, put out there, 
uh, at one point was was fantastic. Uh, you know, like he's got so many great ideas. If you haven't listened to him yet, I can tell you right now, the, the man is brilliant. I, I'm looking forward to having him on the show one day, if it's at all possible. Uh, you know, I'm sure I'll feel a little bit dumber by the time I'm done talking to him. The man is brilliant. Like, I, I mean, I just want to sponge his intelligence as I listen to him. I, I've put a couple of items up and links in the uh, storyline. If you haven't had an opportunity to listen to Dr. Jordan Peterson, he's a uh, Toronto uh, professor of psychology is that is that right Psych- psychology yeah and and you know <clears throat> that's well yeah there, there you go folks i mean I, I don't spend all my time watching him but i can tell you that he's absolutely brilliant and and at one point he spoke about the language and the attempt to change language and you know at no point in history has a government ever gone so far to change you know the language uh of its citizens and and i've seen you know right right down to the anthem like i mean i knew that that didn't sit well with me you know all thy sons command that's the way i'm going to continue to sing it uh i i see this government doing things that you know historically would appear to be the kind of activities engaged in by dictators like changing language, like forcing taxes on people. I mean, if you're any student of history, you can see that typically at some point the population rise up and say, like, that's enough. And, and that seems to be happening from province to province. The liberal government is being ousted. Uh, you know, we've got uh, our own version of these uh, yellow jackets. I don't know if you've been watching the news, but Paris had, you know, a complete upheaval among his citizens, and they turned Paris upside down with these yellow jackets. And, you know, isn't it interesting that it comes hot on the heels of the announcement that $600 million is being set aside for the press? And I haven't heard much from the press. And I don't know if any of you out there think that it's kind of odd that, you know, uh, Donald Trump's potential collusion with the Russian government has been an ongoing, you know, uh, media of circus, if you want to call it that, for, for what feels like years. And nothing's ever come up, and they won't stop talking about that. But I tell you, Paris explodes. I mean, it's, it's in shambles, like it's fire. Like, it, people are turning over cars and throwing rocks, and police are taking off helmets. Firefighters are turning their backs on, you know, leadership. It's, it's like right crazy over there, and yet nobody's really talking about it on the news. Have you heard anything lately? Not a lot. Not like, you know, but, but, they'll, but they'll talk about Donald Trump's latest tweet, Absolutely. It's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know what? Like, and I'm gonna take a jab uh, at the media over this one. For the people over at Global News, when I saw you put it out there that Justin Trudeau was well poised to win the next election, I lost complete confidence in your ability to report the news in an unbiased and impartial fashion. You should be ashamed of yourself. Whoever wrote that article. Uh, If you take a group of people to conduct a survey, and of that group of people, they are all of a like mind, because you've targeted specifically that group to get a desired result, you know, you contaminate the results like that. So to actually put a piece like that up when you know the entire country is, is voting some way other than liberal... I mean, it's fascinating to watch the liberals lose on every front. I mean, they really have done a lot of damage to this country when you think about it. Like, I mean, big businesses fleeing, small businesses being crushed. They're taxing businesses to an inch of their lives. It's, it's, it's hard enough, you know, to pay your hydro bill, you know, here in Ontario after a liberal government, two terms of, uh, you know, Kathleen Wynne. And I mean, all kinds of questions regarding the ethical, um, you know, or unethical, I should say, behavior that may have occurred. 
you know. And, of course, we got Doug Ford. He comes in swinging a big bat because, you know, he wants to clean up this town, and that's going to require rolling some things back, you know, perhaps, perhaps jobs and salaries and things that should have never been given have to be clawed back in an effort to uh, bring this uh, liberal agenda, this government, under control and spending anyway. You know, so he looks like a bad guy. <clears throat> Although I can't help but notice that the gas prices have never been better. I honestly, if, you know what? Doug Ford is a time machine. You know, we went back. Like, I mean, I haven't seen 89 cents in I don't know how long. You know, I remember being a kid pumping gas at 40 cents. You know, that's dating myself for the people that, uh, you know, know what that meant. But uh, what else we got going on? Also, and, and, you know, people ask me about being a police officer. That's, uh, that's come up several times. And, uh, you know, it's not something I discuss uh, a lot. You know, I'm a, I'm a retired police officer. Uh, you know, I uh, performed 20 years of service. I, uh, I had a very successful career in my mind. Uh, you know, uh, I did as much as I could to help people. Uh, like anybody else, I took the job because I thought, you know what, hey, I want to carry a gun and I want to jump fences and chase bad guys. And I had all that in my mind, you know, that it was going to be cops and robbers. But, you know, I, I got to carry a gun. That, that made sense to me. And, you know, as a very young man, and when I, when I say that, I mean, I was, you know, I was five when I determined that I was going to be a police officer. My uncle was totally cool. You know, he was this great guy, uh, you know, and he always had a smile on his face, you know, except if he was pulling people over. And, uh, you know, he commanded a certain degree of respect. And I'm sure there's somebody out there that's going to say that I must have some void in my life that requires me to, you know, seek out a position of power. I, I can tell you that I, I didn't do it for that. You know, I genuinely, genuinely wanted to help people and I just wanted to do it in an exciting way. And what better way than to become a police officer? You know, the idea that you would have an opportunity, opportunity to uh, have an impact on people's lives every single day. I, and I used to tell the new recruits this, I'd say it would only be after I knew them for a little bit and, you know, got a sense of, you know, who they were. I didn't, I didn't come off like, you know, Master Yoda right away. But by the time, you know, somebody had been around for about a year, I'd say, you know what? Um, it's really about helping people. You know, if you want to help people, that's, that's always the correct way to go. You know, if you're not sure about the law, if you're not sure what you should do in any one given situation, chances are if it's wrong, you have the legal ability to stop it. You know, and, and that's, that's what I used to tell people. Every day is an opportunity to be somebody's hero. And, and that's what made policing so special for me. And uh, I, I still have people that remind me, uh, even you know, a few years later now, uh, now that some people do know uh, that, that I was a police officer, they asked me questions. And of course, this one came up, and I won't name his name, but it came up on Instagram, and he told me that you know, he'd been pulled over with his girlfriend on the way back from coyote hunting. <clears throat> And you can, you know, for the crowd that just booed and said, oh, <clears throat> he's a bad guy. He, uh, he's, he's shooting coyotes. I don't like him. You know, the truth is, is that, you know, they're, they're an animal that can overpopulate like any other. And then if they overpopulate, they spill into areas where people, uh, you know, are known to habitate. And then you get accidents that happen, kids getting bitten, uh, you know, animals, uh, pets getting carried off. The need to... Um, limit and control uh, the coyote population in the most uh, effective and humane way possible is hunters. And so this young gentleman and his girlfriend, uh, you know, enjoy, uh, enjoy that activity and they take it seriously. And of course, they're being stopped in some sort of checkpoint on the way home. And the officer asks if they have firearms. 
And of course they, you know, they do the right thing. They say, absolutely. Yes. And he says, you know, let me see your licenses. And, uh, the firearms, uh, are, are somewhere in the vehicle. And, you know, uh, the officer apparently has them, you know, step out of the car and takes the firearms and puts them into the trunk of his. And, you know, it's, it's the way it's described to me is kind of, it's in an abrupt fashion. And, uh, you know, as a police officer, if you see, you know, guns that are openly in the car, you know, I could see from an officer safety point of view, it would, be, it would be important to limit access to those firearms and that you, you, if you could reach them, you know, through an open window, uh, or if you, you know, you could tell the person, look, I feel comfortable if I kept your guns in my car for the duration of our contact, you know, uh, because if you have several people in a car, uh, you know, somebody may have access if you leave them in the car with the firearms. So that makes sense. And then of course, you know, the moment an officer's behaving that way and engaging in those kinds of, uh, uh action, he has to begin to start thinking to himself, how, you know, does he have the legal authority to do this? Uh, you know, is it an officer safety issue? Uh, can I justify it if called a task on it? And so he's already going to be on edge. And of course, if you say, well, you know, what do you mean you're going to put my guns in your car? I mean, on, on, on the heels of all this legislation, and clearly, you know, uh, some people are picking sides when it comes to firearm ownership in this country, you might get a little bit justifiably nervous having a police officer take your guns and put them in his car. So, but, you know, uh, from an officer safety point of view, I, I see it and I, I could see why you'd maybe want to separate the guns from potentially somebody having access uh, until you're done the exchange. Uh, you know, if the uh, firearms are returned in a timely fashion, if the, um, you know, if he doesn't have any on the side of the road for 12 hours and really delay your day and can't justify that, then, you know, uh, it shouldn't take longer. The interaction shouldn't take longer than, you know, 20 or 30 minutes, depending how fast things come back to you in terms of information. And so you've got, you know, this young man on the side of the road and he says, you know, uh, so he, he comes back and, you know, everything's in order. Uh, the officer makes the comment to him that, you know, you shouldn't store your firearms and ammunition together. And I, I don't know if the ammunition was, you know, in, in cases in the back seat or, you know, if the firearms were in uh, locked cases or, or, or duffel backs, uh, but, but they're long guns. So <clears throat> it's not like they're terrifically concealable. And, and so the officer takes them and then returns them and tells them that they shouldn't have their, their ammunition and their guns uh, in the same place. And that this is the kind of activity that road poachers engage in. And he's a young man. And then it kind of dawns on me what probably ended up happening is there probably has been some road poaching going on in the area. And perhaps somebody has said, you know, that these people, young people, um, <clears throat> are involved. So then the officer, you know, wants to make a statement saying, you know, if you're if you're engaging that behavior, you know, you're going to stop. But he can't really come out and accuse them of it. So, you know, he takes a little bit of a hard nose sort of approach to these kids. And, you know, the interaction takes a little longer than perhaps it, it should have 45 minutes, uh, as indicated in this. But sometimes, you know, the return of information uh, from communications can take a little while in different areas. Uh, the the firearm owner was a little bit surprised, given that it was a rural area. Uh, there may be very little interaction for the most part between police officers in the area and the public. So, you know, kind of forgive them. I'm still supportive of the front lines. But 
I think, though, that the officer just walking away and saying, you know, don't do that again and like leaving, as described to me, and I don't want to pass judgment. I wasn't there. I didn't see it. But based on the information I've been provided with, if, in fact, the officer just sort of gave them shit and turned around and walked away grumbly, uh, you know, that's not the way it has to be. It, it certainly could be a better uh, closing to the exchange. And, and I've always told people, if you take the time to explain your actions to the public, they'll understand. Uh, the policies are rooted in common sense. Certainly, you know, a number of them, um, you know, fall into, you know, areas where, you know, the department has to cover its ass a bit and make sure that it doesn't get in trouble from a legal sense. Uh, but at the same time, more or less, they're designed to uh, inconvenience the public as little as possible and at the same time maintain public safety, which is why the whole proposed changes to the you know, firearms laws in this country is just such a slap in the face. It really doesn't address the real issue. And that's definitely uh, one of you know, public safety. If there are gang members shooting each other in the streets with illegal guns, I don't see how uh, further restricting uh, members of the legal firearm community is going to address that problem. Uh, you know, if you were willing to come after my guns and, and that was it, I would say, well, you know, I'll deal with it. But the idea that you really have a problem uh, that's escalating in the beautiful city of Toronto, and yet your answer is to, uh, you know, come after people that have nothing to do with the issue. You know, I, I have a real problem with that, and I always have, and I've seen this coming for a couple of years. And speaking of which, uh, I couldn't help but notice, notice Tracy Wilson made an appearance uh, of the CCFR on Instagram. You know, I, uh, I, I've i seen some comments. I've seen a new uh, profile. It looks like Tracy Wilson, folks, has crossed barriers. She's come over from the world of Facebook. She's uh, she's a spokesperson uh, for the CCFR, a good group in this country doing some good things. Uh, but she's managed to migrate her way from one social media to another, and uh, we will welcome you, Tracy. I'd uh, love to hear from you. If uh, you're in town, or perhaps uh, at some point you and I could have a cup of coffee. Anyway, that's about all the time I have for tonight's episode. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for supporting us. Don't forget to like and subscribe to us on YouTube. And as always, Canada, don't forget to shoot straight. Stay safe.